Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by GetX. GetX features a full line of dial-in markers, burnout guard, and paint protection, and recently has introduced their brand new racetrack-approved hand sanitizer. Find all your GetX products at your favorite retailer, Jeg Summit, etc., for your dial-in paint protection and now personal germ protection needs. GetX has you covered. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 48. It is the first day of July, 19, I should say 2020. My goodness. Um, I'd like to go back to the 1900s, actually, um, after the way 2020 has kicked us off. We are halfway through this thing, though, people. So hang in there. You know, obviously, the first half was rough. And we already know that the world keeps getting weirder and weirder by the day. And we certainly expect, at this point, more of the same for July. So here it comes. Get ready, folks. Um, you know, just be ready for it, be prepared, and try to enjoy it as we get back to racing full-time now. So that's really good. A uh, couple of things before we get going. First of all, last week after Mark McDonald came on the show, and he thought maybe that having the Fast Brackets podcast umbrellas were a good idea, some of you gave me some very odd, some very weird fast bracket gear request so just to clear some of that up no there will not be any fast brackets podcast culottes being ordered at any time soon nor will there be any fast bracket logoed undergarments that's not happening and to one particular fellow who requested a very specific item absolutely not I will not do that, and why would you ask for it in extra small? I don't understand any of that. Jeez, people, get it together. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to just be in charge of the fast bracket gear from now on, and um, all suggestions are going to be completely cut off going forward. So uh, now that that has been said, I am happy to say that we are back at it, and we've got another sweet, sweet episode for you today. We've got a ProMod driver joining us today, Jeff Rudolph, uh, driver of the Rudolph Slay. He's, I can't wait to get uh, to Jeff and talk with him a little ProMod action. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so let's get to it. Let's get on with the show. I can't wait uh, to get to it. So do whatever it is that you do. Clean the shop. Work on the heap. Make your trip to the track. All that stuff is really good time to listen to the show. But metaphorically speaking... Get your helmet on. Get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's put this thing in the water box. Let's heat this dude up and talk about the hot topic, which um, just broke last night as we're releasing this on the 1st, June 30th. There was a big announcement coming out of the Midwest Pro Mod Series that made some big news for our sport and for our classes, and uh, excited to talk about that with you today. So first of all, um, it's big for all of us. Um, first of all, the big announcement they made was that they're actually changing the name from the Midwest Pro Mod Series to the Midwest Drag Racing Series, and I think that is a really, really good thing. Um, I know Pro Mod is what they hang their hat on, and that is always really good but they've added alcohol funny car to the mix plus our classes uh summit has stepped up big for them and i think that will give them some longevity to this thing and we're gonna go from midwest pro mod to the midwest drag racing series and i think that is 
really, really good thing. I mean, they go from Texas up to Michigan, um, Tulsa to St. Louis, and I think that whole action is just growing and growing, and you know that that is really good stuff. So, in addition to the name change, they made two uh, changes to our classes, which which I are really excited about. For one, they made Pro Outlaw Top Sportsman and Pro Outlaw Top Dragster. 32 car fields moving forward. So it is a 32 car field and 449 is the max dial in in top dragster. So still a 32 car field, but uh, a quick field, anything under 449 um, is the max dial that way. So if you have a 440 car, you can, you need to show up and you can get in that field where, and I think there was some thought that with these, you know, the pro charge dragsters that are all running, they're able to dial now 375s that, you know, a lot of people thought in the 430s and 440s, they wouldn't get in. So why make the haul? So what they've done is they've made a, I think a really good change. So they made a 32 car field. Of course, it adds a, a round to the mix, but um, anything under 449 gets you in likely at this point. And then 499 is the max on the top sportsman side. So so you've got um, guys that will add to the mix, that will able to get in the show likely. And then the other thing they did was they added a number one qualifier bonus to top sportsman, top dragster, $250, which is the entry fee. And... So if you go number one, you're racing for free, um, which is a really good thing. So they've added a little help on the top side of the ladder with the number one qualifying bonus. And then they also gave a little leniency on the back side of the ladder, um, which is to go to a 32-car field, which is what we've heard a little bit out of as we've had these um, interviews. You know, and I ask everybody, I always say, what you know, what are – your concerns or what can we do to make the field better? And the answer is a lot of times, hey, this thing is getting pretty quick and we have to find an equilibrium here for people that cannot throw another you know, X amount of dollars at their operation. And so I think that for the Midwest Drag Racing Series and the Pro Outlaw Top Sportsman and Pro Outlaw Top Dragster is a good middle ground. We go 32 car fields. Um, but we also add a bonus to go number one. So that's that's really good. Uh, I, I like all those changes, and I think that class and that series is just going to keep growing and growing. Um, the other thing they talked about was that they are going to do, at least for Texas, which is where they race next week, they're going to race at night. So at St. Louis, it got to be a long day uh, for everybody. You start at 9 a.m. and don't run the finals until midnight due to a slight rain delay and some track prep stuff they had to work on. That is a long day, uh, especially for um, older guys um, like myself. Uh, boy, that uh, took a little out of me, and I wasn't even racing. So understand there's a long day. So what they've said is, hey, we're not going to try to get this thing in the heat of the day. We're going to push this thing back. We're going to run in the evenings only, which I like. Uh, to me, that is a really good thing. I mean, that is drag racing to me. To me, it's supposed to be under the lights. I mean, we've, you know, and they racing on Saturday night under the lights is kind of what I grew up with. Um, it feels like drag racing to me. You know, I've got this thing in the back of my head that Elton John is kind of playing, you know, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. It kind of is all right for fighting for me. So I like that. It's under the lights. It's drag racing Saturday night. All that stuff is good stuff, and it is something to get excited about. I like that. So all those changes are there uh, for the competitors to take advantage of, which is really good stuff. And I hope this series gets a little more participation and gets it rolling a little bit on the top sportsman, top dragster side because – you know, I know that the the boys, Lonnie Grimm, Keith Haney, and everyone else involved in that series is working hard to make it right for everybody. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on those changes. Let me know if you like going to the 32-car field, if you like the 449 max dial for top dragster, the 499 max for top sportsman. Let me hear it. I want to hear your thoughts.
let's put this thing in the beams. It's presented by thisisbracketracing.com. You know that if you want to make your driving game better, you need to get to thisisbracketracing.com. Check that out. Maybe even get in on the elite classes there. Luke Bogaki and the fellas over there do an excellent job of training, getting the mental game right, getting your car right, and working on specific plans and processes to make a better lap every single time. So if you need that, go check that out. This is BracketRacing.com. But today, normally we would bring somebody on. We would talk about their history, how they got involved with the sport, um, let you as listeners get to know the drivers just a little bit. Um, but today, I just I want to make it very clear, this whole show, Fast Brackets Podcast and Fast Brackets Nation in general, is not about me. This is not about me at all. This is about all of you that make this sport and these classes great. And I fully expect at some point to pass the reins on at some point. But for now, I'm happy to be the caretaker of the nation and that's good and fine, and I'm I'm really excited that you guys trust me to do that. But uh, this thing is growing. Every week we get about another 10 to 20 followers. You know, we track that on Facebook. So if you have not at this point shared or liked the page, just, you know, get it out there. We're, we're continuing to grow. Um, but it's an organic growth. It's not uh, It's not explosive or artificial in any way. And this is not for everyone. Understand the fast brackets nation is not for everyone. This is a special group that has dedicated its craft and resources to going very fast and controlling that to the thousands of a second, which is incredibly hard, incredibly difficult, and is why it's so rewarding when it's done and done at a high level. So just um, we have been getting some more uh, listeners, more followers every single week, and we're getting these newcomers. And so this is for the newcomers right now. If, you, if you're if you new to the show or fairly new to the show, first off, do, do yourself a favor. Go to Episode 9 and listen to the Out of the Groove segment and get caught up on why we play Gloria each week, uh, especially in these uncertain times. We need to be reminded that excellence and victory is out there if we just keep grinding and believing in ourselves, do the right thing, have the right processes, believe in yourself. It's so, so important in these times. I mean, I know some people are really hurting out there uh, emotionally, financially, going through a lot of changes. So do not get down on yourself. Do not bury yourself in this thing. Believe, keep at it, and you'll you'll see why we play glory at the end of the year or every episode. So do that if you're new to the show and you have not listened to episode nine in the Out of the Groove segment. Do that. Um, that'll be really well worth your time. Second of all, we want to talk about getting podcast certified. And so Mark McDonald did it last week. He came in here and he got himself podcast certified. So that is essentially like an SFI sticker on your car. You get special privileges with that. And it's earned. It is not given. You absolutely have to kill it when you come on the show, which is exactly what Mark did last week. Um, episode 47 was really good from his standpoint. He brought us some information. He brought us some knowledge. He brought something to the show that wasn't there before. And Actually, we're going to have more on what he brought to the show in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. But that's what Mark did. Mark McDonald got it done, and so he gets podcast certified. So what that means is he can come on whenever he wants. He can get in, say, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how this is impacting, or here's what's happened to my program, and I want uh, to get the word out there, maybe pulls a new sponsor, etc. And so he gets privileges, and Mark got that last week, and that is out there for a few select people that are really killing it when they come on the show. Um, also, to the newbies, um, and we've got a bunch here lately, um, but it, we're always going to recognize greatness on this show. Therefore, we will always have room to talk about Top Gun. We will always have room to talk about Ric Flair, and we will never have any time to talk about the roadsters and the roadsters of the world. So that won't be what we cover. 
um, and will will we cover. So you've got the whole spectrum there. Now you know. Now you're up to speed. You are geared up. You are strapped in and ready to go on to the next 48 episodes. Uh, So thank you to everyone who has listened so far and been a part of the show so far. We are just getting started. Today's Half-Track Report is brought to you, like it always is, by DragRaceLawyer.com. You know that Ed Harney has you covered in any legal needs that you have. Things are about to get crazy out there. There's a lot of people that are going to turn to their attorneys to try to get settled up. So do not be caught off guard and do not get with somebody who doesn't understand you as a person, doesn't understand you as a racer, and doesn't understand you as a business person. Get with DragRaceLawyer.com for all your legal needs. Um, All right, let's, let's talk a little racing right now, which is really good. Uh, the NHRA Division Two event in Galat last week um, was they competed both the top sportsman and the top dragster uh, event, and so they did that on the on a thousand foot track, which I actually kind of like. Um, and so they had seventeen cars in top dragster, not a huge turnout, but uh, we'll. You know, as the season goes on, we'll we'll get those numbers pumped up a little bit. But Steve Furr was your number one qualifier, and to a thousand foot, he goes five oh five seven at two hundred and twelve miles an hour. And like I said, to the thousand foot, and I think we're gonna maybe see more of this. Um, I do like this action of a thousand foot as opposed to the normal thirteen twenty. Um, I could be completely off base, but. I do like it from the standpoint that, you know, the NHRA has come out and said they don't want top dragster going 240 miles an hour. They don't want them, you know, going those speeds. This would cut that down quite a bit. It allows for us to eliminate the 610 index a little bit. We don't have to worry about that. So it allows people to ramp it up um, if they want to instead of, uh, essentially throttle stopping the thing or leaving it in high gear or whatever. It allows them to get after it and kind of is the middle ground. So people may or may not like that, but I am kind of pro the thousand foot at this point until somebody tells me why I should be wrong. So, uh, but in the final, ultimately to the thousand foot, Anthony Bertozzi gets the win over Wendell Bowie, man, this was a great race too. Um, AB is 14 dead zero on his 605 dial and uh, Wendell Bowie is a 12 on the line and he is a 591 dead five on his 91 dial. So man, there was a heck of a race. It was uh, separated by a couple foul there. Both guys great on the line and deadly on their number, but uh, AB wins his fourth Lucas oil drag racing series, top dragster Wally. Congrats to Anthony Bertozzi. And then on the top sportsman side, there were 21 cars, so that was that was a little bigger turnout than the top dragster, which is a little unusual, but uh, really good stuff. And so to the 1,000-foot, your number one qualifier was John Benoit. He goes 540 with a 9 at 198 miles an hour. And uh, like I said, I, I kind of dig that on the top dragster and the top sportsman side. Uh, gets us out of some of the events that we have now where we have to rein these things in a little bit. So, But in the winner uh, circle was Stanley Albritton Jr. over Nick Raybon. Nick had an issue at the start, and Stanley Albritton Jr. wins his second top sportsman Wally of the year. He's been on a roll this year. So um, congrats to him on a day that was a little bit bittersweet for him. Um, He certainly gets the win, so that's sweet, but it was bitter because it was the anniversary of his crew chief, Eric Brooks, who passed away on this date previously. So a tough one for him, but uh, congrats to Stanley Alberton Jr. for getting his second win of the year and uh, making some good out of what originally was a tough day. So congrats to those folks competing at Galat. Uh, That was really the, the big event that we had to pull you know, some results from. So let's talk a little bit about what is happening here next. So the NHRA um, had some scheduling news. They they talk about uh, the fact that they have canceled their kickoff event in Seattle, which would have been at the end of July. 
Um, you know, I think we're going to get some more of that as as uh, you know, every state is making their own decisions on what they will allow, what they won't allow. Um, you know, certainly Seattle has its own issues right now. And so I don't know if that was a terrible decision at all from the NHRA standpoint. Uh, but uh, hopefully there is there's not um, a bunch of that. Um, but but I think that is going to uh, that certainly that one gets eliminated from the schedule for this year anyway. Uh, but next week is really when the NHRA schedule gets going in earnest. And, it, and we have two back to back national events at Indy. Um, the first one is July 11th through 12th, and and that's that would be really interesting because it's the first one. Um, Indiana has a little bit uh, lighter regulations than most states, um, which which is great. That's why probably I enjoy living here. Uh, but it's the first national event. There's going to be top sportsmen and top dragster compete at this event, along with Super Quick, which Super Quick is a uh, top sportsman top dragster class which is a 450 to the eighth mile minimum dial so the fans there will get a lot of uh, fast brackets uh, action in that in terms of top sportsman top dragster and the super quick event so that's that's really really good so it's a perfect opportunity in my opinion to showcase our classes on the very first event uh, that NHRA comes back with. So, um, and you may have to wear a mask, I guess. I don't know. They're still negotiating that out, but I really like the fact that we get to showcase the fast bracket classes right from the get go at Indy. And, um, you know, as we come back early uh, for this, for the NHRA events. Secondly, the PDRA moves their event back a week from Maryland to Virginia. Um, I don't know if they've completely, understood yet where they can bring fans but it is an attempt to get fans because virginia is a little easier i think to deal with or at least they're negotiating tyler's negotiating with virginia to get that done they have a chance at getting fans they did not have a chance at getting fans in maryland so they've moved that back a week and to virginia so hopefully that works for them and then we know uh what has happened in the midwest pro mod series in terms of their changes to their event down in texas next week as well so Congrats to or uh, congrats to all those series for kind of duking it out, making changes they're necessary. It hasn't been easy, I'm sure, but uh, it seems like they've done a really nice job of maneuvering a little bit and uh, making this thing all work out. So next week we'll have more results from the nation for you. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just one minute. With us now is the driver and owner of the Rudolph Slay Pro Mod Machine, and he's also the most recent winner of the Midwest Pro Mod Series Slammer Class. Welcome to the show, Jeff Rudolph. Jeff, how are you, man? I'm great, Rex. Thanks for having me on. Um, Don't mean to correct you, but it is the ghetto slay right now. (laughs) That's the new name for it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you, of course, uh, you're, you're named Jeff Rudolph. You had originally named it Rudolph Slay. That's uh, correct. Had a little issue, if I remember right, early in the year. I mean, that was before we knew that 2020 was going to be a complete disaster. You kind of kicked it off for us. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we started off the beginning of this year uh, at the NMCA event in Bradenton, and uh we're still trying to work some bugs out um, with the chassis and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, had a really good car that weekend, and we end up. I think it was in Q1. We were uh, trying to go for number one, like we usually try to do. And I got a little greedy and got out of the groove, and car ended up hitting a cone and speed cone blew a tire, and we went up on two wheels. And I thought I was going over, and thank goodness I didn't, and pulled it together and. End up getting a bunch of guys together in the pits, and they were pretty uh, obliged to help to get this thing knocked out uh, and front end fixed to get round. I think Q three. I think we missed Q two, but yeah, it was interesting to say the least. Beginning of the season, but yeah, cars running good. Yeah, um, you know they've got four wheels for a reason, Jeff. Uh, you yeah, well. yeah, we try to keep them on them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you That's you the plan. Yeah, you dinged up. I mean, really, the only thing that was wrong with the car though is you dinged up that front clip, right? The uh front Yep. Yeah. 
that's it. Uh, just the front right, and most of the damage probably happened because I, I let it roll just a little bit longer. I should have with a flat tire, and I think it just got into a little deep. But uh, uh, Mark Woodruff, uh, Craig Solomon, a couple other guys get jumped in there and kind of patched that thing up really quick. I was, I was pretty happy with the work they did and how quick they jumped on it. So I want to make two points. One, I mean, that's what I love about drag racing. Like no other sport do people, do your competitors jump in to help you compete against them. Like I don't think we see that in any other sport. But you're the guys that you're competing with were like, hold on, I'm going to take time out of my, you know, prep time and go make sure your car is ready for the next round. And I I love that. Yeah, yeah they, they, they. I didn't even ask them to do that. That was, that was the thing. They jumped and demanded to fix it. So that that was the beauty of it. And like you said, it, it took time out of they're getting ready for round two, and they didn't care. They wanted to see me come back. Yeah, that's that's really cool stuff. Um, and, man, I don't I don't know how to explain that to people outside of our sport, but it is just what makes this thing special. Yeah. Unless you experience it, it, it's it's hard to explain. It really, truly is. Um, but then the second point of that is, it you know, it, it was at the track. It was um, hurried in between rounds. So you had an absolutely pristine, beautiful machine. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But it wasn't quite as pretty when you uh, finished up with that repair. And so that, that meant the whole thing got renamed, right? It got renamed because of it, yes. <laughs> yes, we had a bunch of 200 mile an hour tape, uh, which is now experiencing 219. Uh, so it, it, it's holding up pretty well. We were going to fix it, and I don't think we are this year. We, we've we've been making some pretty good laps with it, so uh, we're we're going to keep it like that. And yeah, that's that's kind of what changed the name. Yeah, so you went from Rudolph Sleigh to uh, the Ghetto Sleigh because it's the not, Ghetto Sleigh, yeah, because yeah. it's not quite as pretty. Although it's no. it's still a gorgeous car, and but it, it seems is. to kind of like it, right? Like it's kind of like uh, the 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 name, and it's kind of embraced. It and, is. Yep, it is. It's it kind of explains a a lot of our racing endeavors here. <laughs> so, yeah, it uh, no, it kind of sticks with it. I think people are catching on with it. And, you know, this, like you said, the sleigh's already been, you know, been named before. So we, we didn't want to say Rudolph Sleigh too, but so we figured Ghetto Sleigh would would be the proper term for it. Right, and it is interesting how um, there is a personality to these machines, and it yeah. seems to embrace it a little bit. That machine has, sure. and yeah. and you know, like you just won, you just won your first event um, in Pro yeah. Mod uh, last weekend down in St. Louis with the Midwest Pro Mod Series. And that that's just a, you know, A, congrats on that milestone. I know there'll be many more for you, but, um, you know, that, uh, that's that got to feel good. Oh, it does, definitely. And thank you. Uh, yeah, we we had, we had a good car, too, you know. And we, we, were, we were trying different things out with shocks, stuff like that. Uh, and we don't have it fully figured out. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it, we're really close to having – something that's going to be really tough to beat and right now we're still competing with you know the top five top six people out there that and we're happy with that um it, it's just going to take time to be number one and I, I, we're gonna we're gonna get there yeah we'll get there no i think you are um but we're going to talk about um your your car and and your operation and the crew and everything here in a second but let's let's go back a minute um, you don't jump right into pro mod um, without having some experience. So take us way back and talk to us about the first time you got the drag racing bug. Well, uh, the drag racing bug kind of happened back in uh, 2006, somewhere around in there. I bought a 1970 Nova, and it was street slash strip. Bought it from my uncle. He took it. He was into drag racing quite a bit in Ohio, and he took it to the to the tracks there and. I ended up buying it from him, and slowly but surely, just like most drag racers do, they make it uh, uh, drag strip only, non-street, and that's what I did. Sure. Uh, and 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 ran local stuff uh, here in Indy at Lucas Oil till probably 2011, and I I kind of went to one of the uh, first NMCA events and really got hooked on that. Ran that in open comp in 2011, all the way to like 2015, I believe. Decided to step up a class. Uh, had the need for speed, wanted to go faster. Uh, watched uh, 
throughout the years, watched Kevin Parent run a Nitrous Pro Street class and, and had really good success for that car. He won multiple championships with it. And one day we were watching him, he had a for sale sign on it, and I started talking to him and ended up buying it from him. And we ran three years with that Nitrous car, 71 Nova, looked just like the 70 Nova. We painted it, made it look just like it. Um, but it was a Nitrous car and, you know, Ran that for three years, very well. Placed two, three points, third points several times. That was the heads up class, right? That's the pro nitrous heads yes. up class. And then that's correct. Yeah. What uh, what cubic inch are you limited to in that class? I don't know a whole lot about that. Oh, that it, the rules have changed so much. Um, it, it really was no limit. But obviously, the bigger cubic inch, the more weight they threw on you. We were around uh, five hundred and twenty six cubic inch, um, and I think we had to weigh. 3,000 or 2,700, I believe, 2,750. So they've they've changed so much, and then it depends on other factors, transmission, uh, ears, all that stuff on on the weight they would put on you. And what type of of ET do you have to run to be competitive in that class? In that class, when we were running it um, through 2014 to 17, somewhere in that era, you had to be running – and that's when they were running quarter mile. Uh, you were running seven, seven twenty was pretty pretty competitive. Okay. Uh, seven twenty, seven forty, you could be competitive. So much, and you got in the teens, you were usually winning that race. That's a that's a pretty quick class um, for having to weigh three thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was quick. Uh, one stage of nitrous was one of, one of the rules, and I don't remember what the jets were that we were allowed, but uh, yeah. It, it was tight. It was tough. I mean, just uh, it, it was it was tighter than seemed like the pro mod was because everyone had those nitrous cars on the edge at all times, and we broke a lot of parts doing it. <laughs> of course, right? Of course, yeah. there's no oh, other yeah. way. Yeah, no other way. <laughs> um, yeah, um, we're gonna get to one of your iconic wins, I think, um, here in a minute uh, that you had running pro nitrous, but. Uh, Talk us through the progression you made from saying, hey, uh, I'm running this Pro Nitrous class to, all right, now it's time to go with the big boys and run Pro Mod. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, we, we ran through four years there in Nitrous Pro Street, um, and, and we did well. Like I said, we I don't think we placed worse than third, I think, in points for the season. And uh, the progression from there to go to Pro Mod was just, the same thing that took me from the bracket car to nitrous is I just the need for speed and and really the pro mod the leap in the pro mod was also there was more races around me uh, that I could go to. That's when Midwest Pro Mod Series was starting to develop, so they were adding some more events that was close to my home, and they didn't have to travel too far and and it it you know taking week and a half off work kind of stinks. You know, when you got to go to these races, because NMCA has a pretty long schedule because they have so many classes. Right. They're usually a four-day event. So if we can go to a two-day event, you know, that's that's really nice on the on the pocketbook too. And that's that's where um, I give our our friends out on the West Coast so much credit because Jeff, you and I are you know in Indy. Um, we're not neighbors, but we're close enough, and we have a lot of drag races that we can get to within a couple hundred miles. Um, sure. So, so that's important for us to go, all right, well, we got to get back to work, and we don't want to travel. Yep. And our friends on the West Coast, God love you guys for spending 12, 14-hour one-way trips to race Isn't as that well. crazy? I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I give everybody it, the shout-out to all those guys on the West Coast yeah. are doing that because – that is, um, it, it just adds another layer to the difficulty of this, which we all know it, the drag racing is not easy um, on top, you know, before you start having the travel. Right, right. Yeah, it, the, the travel and, you know, you can't do it by yourself, so you always got to have people with you. And it, no one really has that kind of money to have full-time crew, so usually everything's all volunteer. So, And those people have jobs too, so it, it takes a lot to just to get to the race. Right. Yep. Um, so you had you had done the pro nitrous thing, and now it was time to go pro mod. What what year was that? When did you when did you just pull the trigger and go? All right, now we're doing it. Two thousand eighteen. Uh, we had uh, I think two thousand seventeen. We were 
Jeffers was Larry Jeffers was building it 2018. It was ready, and we came out running in 2018. Okay. I had uh, Steve Summers at the time helping me out because I, I really didn't know that much about ProMod. I knew a few guys in it. He's a friend of mine, and he offered to help, and and uh, he did some of the tuning on it. Uh, really helped me out getting get my feet wet uh, and, and learned a lot from it. Uh, 2018, uh, we rolled, we, we did that. And then 2019, um, and, and we did okay in 2018, you know, we, we made races and stuff like that. We didn't go a lot of rounds cause we were just still figuring the car out. It was a new car, new, new everything. Yeah. And so. let's, let's talk about the car in 2018 because it was a gorgeous piece. It's a 69 Camaro, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it's, uh, and walk us through it. It's black with white stripes The you know, it's the iconic, the iconic Camaro. Super Sport, yeah, yeah, the '69 Camaro, uh, Larry Jeffers built it. Uh, you know, it it, it was gorgeous. It, it it still is. It still is. Got a little little, little bump on the front, but still <laughs> sure, is. A, sure, it still is a good good car. It's a great looking it, car. Yeah, yeah. And, and at the time, we were running, uh, you know, Chevy uh, conventional style engine in there, twin turbo. Um, and it was just, it was the whole thing. Uh, we were running Liberty transmission, Bruno lockup, and this was a whole different combination, you know, and a new car, uh, and, and a, the driver for that, for that matter. Jeff, was that the 481 X, um, block or was that a, just a dart or Brody just, block? Just, uh, uh, it was actually a, just a Chevy, uh, conventional block. I don't really, I don't know. It, it was just, I don't really remember what, what block that was, to be honest with you. But it was a twin turbo with the Liberty, which is... Um, Correct, yeah. Um, that's that's a bad setup, right? Yeah, it, it's awesome. And it's and it's nothing easy to drive, don't get me wrong. And, and I would say in another week or two, we're probably going to do a video on how I staged the car and launched through the burnout, the whole shebang, and, and just everything that it takes. You know, even Pro Mod guys that run Pro Mod uh, nitrous cars, they don't have an idea what it takes to do the Liberty, you know, at the end of the burnout, someone, so many different things that you, you've got to do and switches and one little mess up, you know, you're, you're not going in reverse. Right. <laughs> right. Different things that, and everyone, the guys that helped me tune, uh, Jamie Miller and, and Tim Davis, they're like, I don't know how you do it. And, and they, they tune hundreds of pro mod guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, the power is there with the twin turbos for sure. But, um, it, it doesn't come without its issues. Right? Correct. I mean, Correct. You, you, you have to be, you, you have all the other things that go with it, but I mean, you've proven you can run up front with that setup. Although, sure. um, we should say this. So, so originally it was a conventionally headed Chevy twin turbo Liberty yep. lockup, Larry Jeffers car, but that has since changed. Right. That so, has changed. So we did that for about a season. Um, and in 2019, I, I started talking to uh, Eric Dillard and Doug Patton over there at uh, ProLine and just got to talking to them and w- what they had to offer. And they had this new race, Cam Hemi out. And uh, we ended up going with that package and, and just the stuff that they brought with it, with, with the help and uh, the support. And Eric Dillard answers his phone every single time I call him. It doesn't matter what time it is. And it, it's just a good group of people to work for or have on board with you. Um, but yeah, and, and the engine is phenomenal. That race came in me is unbelievable. Yeah. So what you've said to me is that it, the geometry is so much better and you're not having to replace some valve springs all the time. No, what, what they did. And obviously this is an Alan Johnson design. Um, he raised the cam up 600 thou. And I believe his idea in that was to put a big, a uh, bigger diameter cam in there, shorten the push rod lengths, and in turn, you know, I've got 50 passes on this thing, hard passes, and burnouts that I shouldn't be doing the RPMs that, that I'm doing right now, <laughs> and I've broke one spring, one spring this whole entire time. Yeah, that's interesting. Man. Yeah, like, uh... yeah, it's 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 insane. It's it, it's I hate telling people this all the time because I don't want to jinx myself. Because I've had such luck with this thing, and I'm like, man, this, this thing's just bound to, I'm about to run, run out of luck soon. <laughs> well, it's not supposed to be a bracket, card, Jeff. You're supposed to no. have to work on it a little bit, right? 
Yeah, and we do. You know, we do. You know, ProLine sends you, like I said, they send you home with a book of when you put the rods in, when when you do rings and all that. And, yeah. You know, it's twenty every 25 runs on this, we'll put rods in it, and I've been doing it at 20. Yeah. And I told them before, you know, you tell me to do it every 10 runs, I would do it, you know, if it would save me from replacing engines. You know, right. rods are cheap. Right. Not cheap, cheap, but they're way cheaper than broken heads and holes in the blocks. Man, yeah. And, uh, yeah, because... Well, we know what happens when that happens, and it's it's not good. You're absolutely right. I mean, the maintenance is so so key on these things. It's it's unbelievable. Yes, for sure. And if you if you do the proper maintenance, and you don't neglect it, it you can have good returns on it. Especially with the race can't hit me. I just I, I can't speak enough of it. Well, speaking of the maintenance and and the crew and just the time and effort you have, talk a little bit about the crew that comes with you because you have uh, you've got a great group behind you. Oh yeah, we for sure do. We for sure do. Kelly Simpson's my girlfriend, Kel and Kiefer, her son. They come to every single race, and you know, like I said, there's there's behind the scenes stuff that no one ever sees. You know, we we prepare for the next race as soon as we're back from the other one. We're always doing something. You know, it may not be every night, but it's usually four nights a week we're doing something on it all the way up all the way up till till race day and then usually two days before race day it's you know everybody all hands on deck and then and we've got jamie miller who's you know part of pro line he he's the red half mafia and he tunes a lot of people and he's one of the smartest guys out there i know on on the keyboard and tim davis comes along to, to helps and it, it's a great combination great group of people we have a lot of fun and we're gonna we're gonna win some races. Yeah, I I believe that. Um, and and I'll just piggyback on what you said there. First of all, Kelly, um, a she has one of the great great um, victory leaps I would say ever <laughs> captured <Yeah>. on video, <laughs> uh, and that goes back to oh, yeah. one of your wins in Pro Nitrous in the NMCA, which yeah. was a pedal fest, and you yes. figured it out. And uh, yeah, her celebration is unbelievable uh go yeah. to I, i'm guessing somewhere it's on rudolph motorsports uh it, it's on there it's on there rudolph the, Motor, yeah and on the facebook page yeah go, um, go check that on there yeah that's that's great stuff and then i gotta give kelly credit for this and i probably should have done the way before today but uh she was the very first person to like the fast brackets podcast facebook page and so uh you know that's that is in her blood racing is in oh, her yeah. blood and so man uh yeah good for you yeah so to talk about that race uh one of the great moments too was uh at the end of the season might have been that, that following january uh brian loans did uh uh something on i don't know if it was his facebook or a podcast he was just reflecting on the most memorable moments and that was his number one was that race right there and i thought that was pretty you know of all the races that guy's seen and, and, and announced uh we felt pretty honored for him to even say that absolutely yeah no and and well worth it though uh, for yeah from that standpoint. yeah it, it was exciting and then the <laughs> other sure. thing the other thing i mean Kiefer does a good job with uh keeping you guys looking good too and i think that and i haven't yes. hammered on it too much here in the show but it is something i've got in the back of my head to talk about is as we progress the sport as we make all our um programs a little more professional uh, you know what Kiefer does for you guys is is really outstanding. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I've got the I got the best of both worlds. You know, I, I Kiefer uh, Kiefer does a great job for us. You know, he, he's doing his thing in marketing and doing a lot of stuff in racing. And you know, he goes to races with us, and we we basically trade off work. <laughs> right. he, he does he does stuff for me, and I'll do stuff for him. Right. So it's it, it's really uh, it's a really good combination, and uh, he's always good help, and he. He wants to race. He wants to race more than I want to race half the time. So it's it uh, it's a good group of people for sure. I like it. Um, well, tell us a little bit about uh, what your plans are now for the rest of the season. You got one under your belt. You got that first victory. What's uh, what's your schedule look like for the rest of the year and going forward? Rest of the year, uh, I believe we're going to. Uh, these are for sure races. We're going to go to the NMCA St. Louis Super Bowl. I can't miss that. Okay. It's one of my favorite races that NMCA has. I wish it was still at Juliet, but it's not. Uh, we're always going to try for that ring. That's what I'm looking for. We've gotten a couple Wallies from NMCA, but I would really like to have one of those Super Bowl rings, and we're going to go after it. Uh, that's July 30th to August 2nd. 
Okay. Uh, then after that, we're going to go back to St. Louis for a Midwest Pro Mod race from August 14th to the 15th. Uh, then turn around Martin, Michigan for NMCA, August 27th to 30th. And Martin, Michigan, again, Midwest Pro Mod Series, September 11th to 12th. And then back home in Indiana, here at Indy NMCA, September 24th and 27th. Those are those are definite dates that we're going to do. We may throw a PDRA race in there somewhere, or if a big money pro mod race comes, you know, within a six hour drive from my house, we'll we'll do it. Those are those are the definite ones. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, no, you and that NMCA and the Midwest Pro Mod, or I should say Midwest racing association now yes um, yep, yep. i forgot they did change their name didn't they yeah right ra- sorry midwest yep. racing series um yes so that that those classes are the same right you don't have to change anything to go from nmca to the midwest we do not series? we do not now i know that's something that uh, keith haney and raleigh miller and, and the uh the guys there sat down i think it was last year they just wanted to do it because if there was a there was a season i think when haney was starting off the new series but the, the rules were just a little bit different. It made it hard for guys like us to just switch back and forth. So yeah. they just sat down, and which was smart on both of their parts, to just make the rules the same. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And, and that, yeah. to your point, we all have to uh, adjust, do our part to make this thing work. So it sounds like, you know, Keith and Raleigh both did, did their part on that. Right. So, yeah, so. they did. They did. Um, well, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate you talking us through a little pro mod action and, um, you know, wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Congrats on your big win. And then, you know, go get them from here on out. Yeah, I appreciate it, Rex. And, uh, we'll see you soon here at a racetrack. Yeah, for sure. Um, guys, girls go check out the Rudolph motorsports page on, uh, Facebook. And then I think you've got a website as well, Jeff, is that correct? That's that's correct. RudolphMotorsports.com. Okay, yeah. Check that out because just seeing Kelly hop around is worth uh, <laughs> worth the money. So, uh, yep. She's um, entertaining. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Jeff, good luck to you. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. That was uh, the great Jeff Rudolph, folks. Thank you. As we hit the mile per hour cone today, we're going to talk about mile per hour and And we're going to talk about Jesse Combs, who is the fastest woman on earth. So um, sadly, Jesse passed away last year, August 27th of 2019, after crashing her jet-powered car, you know, while breaking the, or at least trying to break the land speed record as part of the, what is called the North American Eagle Project on a dry lake bed in, uh, Alvord Desert, Oregon. I don't know where that's at, but uh, that is kind of like the salt flats um, and obviously had an issue with the front end and it and it caused the car to crash and her life was taken. Um, you know, she was trying to go 522 miles an hour. Um, man, it was uh, that is that's crazy for even for us when we are talking about the speeds we're talking about 230 miles an hour 240 miles an hour think about going 522 miles an hour in a vehicle that is just crazy so um she passed away um august 27 2019 officially as the fastest woman on earth but she was trying to beat her previous record um and what's happened is here this week the Guinness Book of World's Records came back and they said she is officially the fastest woman ever. She beat her old record. So the, the record is now um, 522 miles per hour. Her current record was 512 miles per hour. Uh, originally, the fastest woman ever was um, a woman by Kitty O'Neill. She set that in 1976. Um, but uh, for the last... Uh, almost decades in 2013, Jesse Combs has been the fastest woman on earth. And th- that's really interesting. You probably know her from places like uh, the Spike TV show Extreme 4x4 or um, Overhauling or Mythbusters and all that stuff. But she obviously was a popular figure. Book could stand behind her stuff. I mean, as a female going 500 miles an hour. I don't know if my body could hang on to that, and uh, she certainly did it with some grace. So um, 
you know, sad day back in August of 2019, but here recently now, and I don't know why it takes so long for Guinness to verify that, but it did. It took them just a little bit. Guinness verified it, um, you know, so posthumously she again resets her own record as the fastest female on the planet at 522 miles an hour. So, um, you know, as we hit the mile per hour cone here, we tip our hat to Jesse Combs, the fastest woman on earth. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe, hit the override button, get that done. Guys, girls, that's the show. It's time to pull the shoots on episode number 48. There it is. There's the wind lights. There's that sweet, sweet sound of Gloria. Guys, girls, we had another great week this week. A, we didn't have any roadster talk, so that's good. We got in some real wins for motorsports, and I do need to say this. Some of you need some help, so be like Mark McDonald and get yourself a Fast Brackets Nation t-shirt. Do not tell me about the gear you want because you completely failed, and that is off the record for this week. So special thanks to our guest, Jeff Rudolph. Pro Mod driver of the Rudolph Sleighmobile um, for coming in and talking a little racing with us. I liked it. Um, hey, like and share the Facebook and Twitter pages if you don't mind. Make comments. I love hearing from you guys. Let me know what you think on the stuff we talked about this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. some uh, big fireworks ready for the fourth i'm gonna keep my fingers and toes this year typically i do uh typically i get the nephews over and they've got the routine down rob uh you're that guy oh yeah one one brings uncle rex the fireworks the other brings uncle rex a cold budweiser and we have a really (laughs) good time but uh this year they're back to playing baseball so we're gonna keep it pretty cool this year